Amen. Uh, if you don't believe that God's gracious, then you have to know that my mic was muted that whole time, and if it weren't, <laughs> you would all be suffering. Uh, Laura, thank you very much. Appreciate that. I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, thank you for worship and the ability to express uh, feelings that we have for you in a way that pleases you. And so, Lord, everything that we do is an act of worship if we do it in faith. And so, Lord, allow this uh, talk that I give, this message that I give to be an act of worship for me and may it be an act of worship for everyone in the room as well. It's in your son's name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Nika Spalding, and I have the pleasure of being on staff here at Watermark, and there's some things that you guys have learned about me over the years, and I love cats, I love OU, big game this weekend, Boomer Sooner, and uh, one of the things that you have to know about me too, or you would know about me if we're good friends, is that I just hate change. I just, I hate change. I'm one of those people that when people see me 15 years later, they're like, you just haven't changed, and I'm like, I don't know that that's a good thing. Um, but I'll show you like some things that have never changed for me since I was like three years old. Do you see this cutlery up here? If I open up a drawer, that big fork and that big spoon has no purpose. Like, like none. It's always a small fork and a small spoon. And in fact, when people will set the table, I'll get up and take the big fork and put it back and grab the small fork. And they're like, oh, those are for the kids. And I'm like, no, you don't need a fork that big. Okay, there's no reason we're not in the Victorian era. It's time to just bring it down to one size fits all. And so um, the other thing is, y'all know where that meal's from? Me Casino, the brisket tacos, that's right, Dallas sides. Yeah, if you go to a restaurant with me, there's a 99% chance you're gonna be ordering my meal for me when we go back, because I will have the same thing. Brisket tacos, no cheese, corn tortilla, and probably an extra side of guacamole. That's what I order. We go to Chick-fil-A, number one, sweet tea, Chick-fil-A sauce. And don't give me one packet, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't even know why they try that stuff anymore. So I, I hate change, and that's part of why I love that God never changes. Uh, and don't hear me say that me not changing is anything like God not changing. I'm neurotic and I need to change, but it is part of why I love that God is constant and God's word is constant and God's promises are constant. They never change. And by the end of today's lesson, hopefully I'll be able to show you why this is a very good thing. And because he doesn't change, he's the one that we fix our eyes upon. He's the one we place our hope in. He's the one that we always make the sure bet on. And so we're gonna see in the story today how Moses is gonna change. Moses, like any great story, our hero has to change. He's gotta go up and he's gotta go down. Otherwise, why are we reading? And so Moses is gonna, is gonna make lots of changes this year, but there will be one constant throughout Exodus. And that constant's gonna be God. And we're gonna see how God is a constant for Moses here today. And so we're gonna look at some of the ways that Moses behaved in this passage. Um, if you remember back to last week, Gigi, when she was finishing, Moses had a call and he had a commission from God and he was supposed to go and tell the Israelites, God has heard your cries. And at the end of chapter four, he gets to them and he tells them, hey, God has heard your cries. And what do they do? They worship. They bow down this God that they haven't heard from in 400 years. They hear that he's coming back from them and they go, oh man. And they bow down and worship. And so you can imagine Moses at this moment is probably having a pretty good moment right? He's an old dude. He's being dragged out of Midian. He's leaving his father-in-law and he's leaving. And we know now that maybe perhaps when the circumcision weird episode happened, they maybe sent his family back. And so he's coming to the Israelites. He's been a murderer. He's been away. He's not sure how they're going to receive him. He tells them the story and they're like, yes. And so Moses is feeling pretty good. And so Moses is now going to go before Pharaoh. And Moses, we find out, is brash. There's a little bit of subtlety that's happening in the text and I wanna highlight it for you today of what's going on. See, we know what Moses is supposed to do because God in 3.18 tells Moses what he's supposed to do. 
Moses. You're gonna go to Pharaoh and you're gonna do it like this. And we see that Moses doesn't do it exactly the way that God tells him to do it. For starters, Moses is supposed to go with the elders and Aaron to Pharaoh. And we know that's not what happens. Instead, it's just Moses and Aaron. Why they don't bring the elders, I don't know. Maybe Moses didn't want to steal any glory. Maybe Moses is still insecure about his speech and doesn't want a large audience. I can appreciate that, but that's, we don't know why, but we know he doesn't follow directions right away. Then we know that God tells him exactly what he's supposed to say. You tell him that I am the God of the Hebrews. And Moses changes the words. He says, this is the God of Israel. Now, it's a very minor thing, I get that, but anytime you see in scripture people begin changing the words of God, it does not go well for them. If you remember back to Genesis, we see Eve doing the same thing. The serpent comes to Eve and he says, what did God tell you? And she said, oh, we cannot touch this tree. No, 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 no. God said, you may not eat of the tree. You can touch it, you can hang a hammock, you can carve your name in it, Adam and Eve for life, you know, big heart, whatever. She began changing the word of God, which means she began doubting the word of God, which means she began doubting God himself. And we see Moses starting to do the same thing. Another thing that he does is if you have your Hebrew Bible open with you right now, you'll notice in 318 that there's a cohortative verb and all cohortative is is a fancy word for request. God tells Moses, you go ask nicely. Will you let us go? Please let us go into the wilderness so that we may worship God. And Moses changes it to an imperative. He changes it to a command. Pharaoh, send us away. Mm, that's not very nice, Moses. Then he continues on and God tells Moses, hey, use this gnaw particle. It's this thing in Hebrew that just means please. Hey, ask nicely. And Moses leaves it out. God tells Moses, hey, go be diplomatic and courteous. And Moses takes it upon himself to be abrasive and brash. Why? I don't know. And, and Pharaoh responds in turn by saying, who is this Yahweh you are speaking of? I do not know him. And in some ways, he literally does not know him, but in other ways, he's meaning to insult Moses, going, this God that you're telling me I need to allow you to leave to worship, he means nothing to me. I don't know him. And what's crazy is soon Pharaoh is going to know God in an intimate way, and it won't be pleasant. But what we see from this is is Pharaoh then responds in a harsh way. He calls them all slackers. I love that's how the net translates it. It's idle workers or lazy people, and the net's like slackers. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what Pharaoh said. Oh, you all are slackers. Yeah, and and he says, no, and not only that, no more straw for you. Go get your own straw. And this is a difficult thing. They're making bricks. And so to go get your own straw is hard. There are actual psalms that say it is difficult to chase chaff into the wind. He's made it very difficult on them. And hear me say, I don't know that Pharaoh would have responded any differently had Moses fully obeyed God's commands. But this isn't even really about Pharaoh in this moment. This is about the leader of Israel and how he's gonna obey God. And he doesn't do it perfectly. And y'all, I think we do that sometimes. We think partial obedience is enough, right? God says to obey my parents, so I will obey them up until this point, until they tell me no to do this thing, and then at that point, well, not fully obey them. God tells me to honor my husband, but I'm only gonna honor him when he's not being a butthead. That's in Ephesians, right? It's not, don't quote me on that, right? God says to only look at whatever is pure and and noble and holy and think on these things, but God has not seen scandal, so, or Game of Thrones or or whatever it is that people are watching these days. I don't know why you'd watch anything other than football, but yeah, we, we do the same thing. So this is about Moses. Moses comes in being brash for reasons we don't understand, but it doesn't matter. The point is Moses didn't do fully what God asked him to do. 
And there were consequences felt not only by Moses who gets shunned by Pharaoh, but also by the Israelite people. See, we, we do that. And I think what you have to understand is that when God makes the rules, they're entirely his rules. And so we entirely obey them. And so my question for you is, what is that thing, right? I, I know when I was growing up, this is, I, I hated doing the dishes. I hate doing the dishes. Um, my roommates have trained me well. When it's time to take out the trash, they'd like fill it up, tie the bag and put it by the door. And I just like instinctually pick it up and take it out. And then one day I was like, we never even discussed that. Like they have literally subconsciously trained me to take out the trash. But I have trained them to do the dishes. You know how I know? I just leave them in the sink and then they get done. And so... Uh, I hate doing the dishes, but we had this rule growing up where it was like every two days the child had to change. So like I had Monday, Tuesday, then my sister had Wednesday, Thursday, and I had Friday, Saturday, and it didn't matter if we'd eaten out. So even if you didn't have to do dishes one night, that was just great for you. And then when your next two days came up, no matter what, so you know what I would do? My mom's like, you have to do the dishes. And I'm like, I will do the dishes, but I would hide the pots and pans in the garage. And then when it was my sister's day, I'd put them back in the sink. I have actually never confessed that to her. Um, <laughs> so was I doing what my parents asked? Kinda. One day my mom was like, why is that pan here? We ate that three days ago. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But we, we do that. We're a little bit like Moses. And what I want to encourage y'all is when you begin changing the words of God, when you begin doing partial obedience, it's as if you're doing full disobedience. And you will see that. It never goes well for people when they do that in the scriptures. And it doesn't go well for you in life unless you're me. And I got away with it for like 10 years. But now I have to go confess to my family. So, but yeah, that's what's going on. Moses is brash and it's not great. A side note, I know that in scholarship right now that people are telling you the Exodus didn't really happen. Like I, I realize that's like a real thing. And so I just want you to know, we're not alarmed by this. We're not gonna find out in April. We're like, oh my gosh, we taught a whole story that's not true. No, no, no. It's true. Yeah, I know, because there's archaeological evidence for it. This is a, it's called the Tomb of Rechmire, and it's from the 18th dynasty of Egypt, and it would have been during Thutmose III. And those are, those are Semitic slaves making bricks. We have evidence of it, guys. And so if you're in that camp that you're like, I'm just not sure, because I watched the History Channel, email me, and I will send you loads of information for you to research. But I just want to throw that in there, because I think that the picture is pretty cool and just reminds us that this word that we're studying is true. And so we find out that Moses is brash to Pharaoh and then we move into Moses then gets bruised by that, which he should, there are consequences for that. And so we find out that Pharaoh is like, I don't know this Yahweh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue the workload, I'm gonna continue to make it difficult on you. And then we, we learn that there are Israelite slaves and then there are Israelite foremen over the slaves and the Israelite foremen are the ones that get beaten. And so then they go, okay, we need to go talk to Pharaoh. Hey, Pharaoh, uh, this is an impossible task. In fact, Pharaoh, your people, your Egyptians, they're the ones no longer providing straw. So we're, we're getting beaten and it's your fault. And he just calls them all slackers again and sends them out of the room. And so they go by Moses and they go by Aaron. And you can imagine Moses and Aaron are a little bit like, sorry, <laughs> didn't mean for you to get beaten. How's your back? And they say something really interesting. See, in this moment, they actually don't lose faith in, in God. They just think Moses and, and Aaron have done wrong by them. They say, may God deal harshly with you. They fall into the same lie that people for millennia have fallen into and people continue to this day to fall into, that they believe that when God asks you to be obedient, then somehow you're, you're promised a comfortable life. And so Moses gets bruised by, if you're, you know what a leader is? It's a punching bag. If you say, I wanna be a leader, I'm like, great. Then you're volunteering to be misunderstood. You're volunteering to be doubted. You're volunteering to be argued with. And quite frankly, when you're wrong, you have to apologize on a much bigger scale. That's what a leader is. So if any of y'all want to lead, come let us know. I'm just kidding. Leading's awesome. But it's hard. And so Moses, this is 
part of the plan. You know how I know that? Because God told Moses this was part of the plan. Pharaoh will not relent. It will not let you out right away. It's going to have to be by me driving him out. He's already told them this in 319. But Moses gets bruised because the foremen come out and they go, you've made us a, a nasty aroma in front of Pharaoh and may God deal harshly with you. And I'm thankful in this moment that the foreman didn't walk out and go, hey, Moses, God's a liar. We are gonna start serving the Egyptian gods again. I'm glad that they got mad at Moses because oftentimes people get mad at God when they should have gotten mad at their leader. But, but this lie that God promises you comfortability is just not in scripture. It's just not. And anybody who says otherwise is just lying to you. And this prosperity gospel movement that's being sold across the world, it is not helpful. You know how I know that? Because a gunman walked onto a campus and shot Christians. He asked him, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Yes, I am. Then you are going to meet your God. And do you think when those precious saints got to heaven that, that Jesus looked at him and said, I fell asleep. I'm, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I never meant for you to have harm. I never meant for you to be hurt. No, no. They said, he looked at him and he goes, hey, saints, I told you the world would hate you and welcome to paradise. Run free. There are no gunmen. There are no more tears. There is no more sorrow. There is no more pain. You are free. They didn't get to heaven and find out that the plan didn't work. And their family members who are still on this earth, God is not coming to them and saying, hey, I promise you at the Sermon on the Mount that those who mourn will be made comfortable. That's not what he said. You will be comforted, but you will not be comfortable. God never promises that you will be comfortable. In fact, almost the opposite is what is promised. And if you are promising people that, then when they are suddenly uncomfortable, they will either be mad at you, which they should, or they will be mad about the God you lied about. And that is not our God. And so if you have bought into this lie that you are supposed to be comfortable when you follow God, then stop believing that. And some of you are going, I haven't bought into the lie. I'm uncomfortable. And to you, I say, just remember his promises. And in this moment, Moses goes, I knew it was gonna be difficult. I knew what I was signing up for. I'm gonna keep my eyes on the prize and we are going to push on. Things would have gone well for him. So if you are in the midst of a storm, if you are in the midst of a struggle, just know that God has bigger and better promises than the comforts of this world waiting for you. Moses is bruised. And then Moses... Uh, Moses gets brazen. Did y'all see how Moses spoke to God? This double Y formula, why would you even bring me here? Why are you like, this double Y formula is often used in narrative when somebody's mad. Moses is ticked. But what's interesting is Moses comes to God. We'll see throughout the story and we'll see beyond if you continue reading, especially in the book of Numbers, there are times when the Israelites complain about God, but here's Moses complaining to God. He comes right at him with his complaints and we've seen David do it, we've seen others do it. Why? Because God is not some insecure God that's like, oh, I didn't mean to upset you, Moses. Instead, he takes it. We see Job do it. We see, we see David do it. We see Moses do it. Why? Because they have a relationship with him and so he becomes brazen in front of God. And so you expect my next point to be then Moses gets beaten, right? He goes from brash to bruised to brazen and it should be beaten. But that's not what happens, is it? No, not at all. No, instead God takes a moment and reminds them the plan. God takes a moment and reminds them of God's character. God is not, is not worried about his brazen attitude and he doesn't rebuke him harshly or go, how dare you? Because if I'm God, you wanna know how I respond to this? Moses, are you serious? First of all, I told you to say, please, where are your manners? 
You didn't say please. And then you're worried about a couple of Israelite foremen who've believed in me for 15 minutes doubting the plan. Moses, you saw a burning bush. I told you the plan. I told you it would be hard. What is your problem? That's why I'm not God. And that's not what God does. No, not at all. He just says, hey, Moses, now you will see. This is a picture that showed up on Instagram yesterday. And you guys know I love my niece and nephew more than life itself. And that's, oh, I'm going to tear up again. Got me three times yesterday. So that's my little buddy, Nixon. And he's two and a half years old. And he's, he's awesome. And he was jumping from a chair towards the window and hit the, the windowsill and busted up his chin pretty good. And I saw this photo and I began crying because he's scared. I, I know my buddy well. That's his scared face. And that's his mommy... I, I don't like this. And I know that my sister-in-law is a good mom, so I know that my sister-in-law gave him the plan. Hey, Bubba, we gotta go to the hospital, and it's all gonna be okay. It's gonna hurt a little bit, but it's gonna eventually all be okay. That, that was the plan. And Nixon has the opportunity to trust his mom, who would never sell him out, would never move him up a creek, didn't put him in a basket in the Nile. I'm just kidding, that was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got this moment. So, so then Ashley says, okay, Bubba, it's time to be tough. And here's his tough face. And I know him well, so I know what he said. He said, Hulk smash. That's his thing. He loves, he loves the Avengers. And so he got three little stitches that his aunt can't even handle, but I'm sure he's fine. But you know, you know Nixon probably had a moment when he's like, okay, my mom said it was all gonna be okay. I trust my mom. My mom's gonna say this. And then a doctor walked in with a needle and said, I gotta stick you with this where it hurts the most. And in that moment, if Nixon would have been like, mom, you lied to me, I'm out, and walked off the table and walked on home, I mean, that would be absurd, he's two and a half years old, but if he did, you, you'd kind of understand. But instead, in this moment, this child has to trust his, his mother. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm gonna have to stick you with this needle. You're gonna have to feel more pain, but ultimately, this is the plan, Bubba. The plan is to get the stitches. And so we gotta go through with the plan, and I know it's uncomfortable, and I know it hurts, and I know in some ways you're like, mommy, you said it was gonna get all better, but it's not better. And what does Ashley do? Hey, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And this is exactly what God's doing to Moses. He's coming to him and going, what are you doing? You said you would take them out of the land. And he goes, Moses, listen to me. This is the plan. And Moses gets reminded of who God is and what God does. And those things, who God is and what God does can never be separated. Who he is emanates from what he does and what he does emanates from who he is. And what do I mean by that? God does not just love you, he is love. God does not just speak truth, he is truth. God does not just admit light, he is light. God is not just Yahweh, he keeps the covenants. I am Yahweh, the covenant keeper, and I will keep my covenants. You cannot separate the two. Moses, the plan hasn't changed. You need to fix your eyes on me. I told you in 319, it was gonna get hard. You need to trust me. You, Moses, you have changed. Your feelings have changed. Your circumstances have changed. Your doubts have crept in. The foremen have changed. They're no longer bowing down and worshiping with you, but I haven't changed. I am Yahweh. I will rescue them. I will redeem them. I will give them the land. They will know me by the name Yahweh. I used to be El Shaddai, the Almighty One, the mountain, but no longer I will be Yahweh, the covenant keeper. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the rock stars of your faith, they were foreigners in this land. I will give them the land. Moses, the plan hasn't changed. Keep your eyes on me. The plan is trust me, not your circumstances, not your behavior, not what you think is going on. The plan has never changed. 
God says something interesting when he's talking to Moses. He says, I will redeem them. And this word redeem, there's a couple of different words in the Old Testament for redeem. Gaal is one of them and Padah is another. Anytime you see the word redeem in the New Testament, we mean salvific. Jesus on the cross will save you. But in the Old Testament, we mean a number of things. One of which, Padah, is just when you're buying back something that doesn't belong to you. We're going to see this later in Exodus. You buy your firstborn back. So you come to God and you go, here's, here's my money. They belong to you and I am buying them back and now they become mine. That's Padah. It's an exchange of currency. But Gael is different. It says, you are already mine. And this is the word being used here. I am taking back what is already mine. God is not coming to Pharaoh and saying, I'm taking your slaves and making them my people. God is saying, they are my people and I'm bringing them back to me. They've never stopped being my people. I never stopped keeping the promises. The covenant has always been true. They are mine and I'm coming to get what is mine. The same word is used in the book of Ruth when Boaz goes and redeems her. She is his family and it is his right to be able to take her back and he does so. And we see God doing the same thing for his people and he's able to look at Moses and go, Moses, the plan didn't change. You did. Don't take your eyes off of me in the plan. I know that Pharaoh kicked you out of his room. He's gonna do it again and again and again. But I am not changing. They are my people They've never stopped being my people. I was always gonna come get them. I'm still gonna come get them. You only need to trust me. And so the big so what for today is, is are you trusting God, the only one who's worthy to be trusted? Because I know that I allow my circumstances to define my God at times. And that is not a good place to be. Because if I turn on the five o'clock news, I'm not gonna believe that God's good. But if I believe that God is good, then when I turn on the five o'clock news, I trust that God will make all things right in his time. Who God is does not change based on my circumstances, my perspective, my feelings, or what I'm doing. God never changes. And God bless him for that. Because if he changes, his promises might change. If he changes, his word might change. If he changes, who knows what's gonna sway him. But instead, I'm gonna anchor myself into his promises. And I will save you. Great. Like, I will be there for you. Great. I'm your ever-present hope in times of trouble. Great. And when my circumstances get big, when the waves get big, when the noise gets loud, all I have to do is look at God who never changes and say, what's the plan? What's the plan? And I want y'all to be able to do the same. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you have given us your word. Through it, we may know you. And God, knowing you is for our good and knowing you is a gift to us. And so God, may we be women that are eager to do so. Allow us to learn your word in such a way that it transforms our minds, our hearts, and our hands so that we may serve you, worship you, and love your people better. So God, be with the small group discussion time today. Allow our conversations to bear much fruit and allow um, our time to be just another act of worship to you as we continue this morning. It's in your son's perfect and holy name I ask these things. Amen.